Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. We are entering into a series called Colossal Living, and this is talking about following Jesus is living our best life. We're going to find everything we need, the foundations to live and breathe in this process. Now, where we've been since the beginning of the year, we really came out of the gate swinging. Like, we went deep really soon and really early in this year, and I'm really thankful for it because so far we've talked about who Jesus is and why it matters. We've talked about how he loves you. We've covered how he saves you from the muck, the quicksand that you're stuck in. We talked about whether you care or not about the offering he gives you of freedom. And tonight we're going to talk about what that looks like from here on out. A lot of people in this room maybe have been baptized before or maybe were baptized last week. Fantastic. We are arriving at another now what situation, right? And for some of you, you got baptized a long time ago. Maybe it was uh, years ago. Maybe it was last year, things like that. But you've been looking for a moment to turn and pivot back to what God has for you. Tonight is your night. So if that is on your heart, I want you to listen as closely as you can and not be a distraction to anybody around you. If that is something you need tonight, tune in. Because here's the deal. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a few years now. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a few months now. But you haven't actually done anything with that faith. You haven't put that faith to work. Maybe you've just simply been moving into this judgy judgmentalness, looking at other people, pointing out their flaws, and in this constant effort to try to just get holier and holier and trying to become more of a a better image. But that's misplaced passion, judging other people and calling people out. And I want to help turn that dial just a hair tonight to help you become who God has created you to be, to put that passion where it belongs, not in judging others, but looking for what his kingdom has for you. And the rest of you, you are probably still chewing on whether this whole Jesus thing is true or not. A lot of you showing up here may not even think that Jesus is real. That's okay. Your week is coming too. Your week is coming too. But here's the deal. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you are here in this room willing to check it out. I am so glad that you are here not faking it, but that you are actually checking to see if God is who he says he is. That was my story. I know what that's like. I've been there. I'm glad you're here. Tonight, we're going to talk about a change of heart that turns into and produces a change of your life, a change of action. We are at another now what situation. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for where you've brought us this year. It has been a tremendous year of truth and love. And I pray that tonight, the scripture that is being read pierces hearts. I pray tonight you would guide my words to speak truth and nothing but the truth. I pray that you would heal the hearts tonight that are wounded, that need love and need passion. I pray for the people who are being baptized, that you show them that this is not a finish line, but this is a beginning line. This is the beginning to the journey. I pray for the people who have given their lives to you but have wandered away, that you would be calling them back this entire evening. Help us be brave. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. 
So we talked about in this scripture, we, we looked at, we talked about good news. We said, once, you've, once you heard the good news, things started to happen in your life. We need to circle back. What was that good news? What was that good news? What is the good news that was heard all over the world and was changing lives? Let's make sure we know what that good news is because God help us if we forget because that's the entire reason why we are here. Read this scripture again with me. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Now remember, it would take one out of touch, egotistical son of a gun to look at life to say, I have been so perfect and my life has been lived with such sterling silver perfection that God owes me eternal life. That person may be a little out of touch. I would suggest that the majority of us are quite aware of the imperfections that we have. A lot of us are quite aware of the mud that we are stuck in and that is drowning us. A lot of us are quite aware of that. And I would say a majority are probably still stuck in that mud. I would say a lot of people in this room are still trying to figure out how to get out of that or whether they care or not that they are stuck in the mud or whether it's worth it, whether it's worth the effort to get out. Maybe they're afraid to get out because they don't know anything different. Wherever you are in this, we need to look at the person who pulled us out of that mess. We needed a savior, a power beyond ourselves to get out of the quicksand. We needed forces beyond us to get us out of that. And wherever you are on this, God loves you. And he would give anything to have you, even his son. And I want you to understand this. And I I have this on my heart too. There's a lot of people in here who have heard the gospel. There's a lot of people who have heard this good news. And you might show up in church and hear us preaching the gospel again and going, I've heard this a million times. I would say you are living selfishly in your freedom. Here's why. You should hear the gospel preached in these arenas, in these situations, and be the biggest cheerleader for God doing some work in someone's life that's stuck in the mud. And instead of sitting there going, I've heard this message a thousand times, this is boring me, you should be praying. You should be praying for the people who are living a hell on earth in their homes and in their schools that they hear hope and love and truth. Does that make sense? So as I continue with this good news, start praying for those people. God loves you so much that he would come and he would set you free. And some people approach God and saying, well, if God loved us so much, why doesn't he show us that he cares about us? Why is there so much pain? Listen, if God loved us at all, he would come and step into that pain. And he would live in that pain. And then he would do something about that pain. And he would show us a way out of that pain. Such is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He went to a cross to die for the sins, to pay the price that you owed because of your sins. Died an innocent man saying, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because he loved you so much. And in that moment, his price tag covered all of your sins and you were able to walk free into the kingdom of God again. He bridged the gap that you had carved with the river of your sin. He built a bridge back home to God. Do you understand that? This is the good news we talk about. This is John 3, 16 and 17. 
It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge. I want you to hear that. People in here who have accepted Jesus and have assumed the role of the judge, he didn't come here to judge. He'll do that later. But to save the world through him. Because of that, if you believe that, your story gets a new beginning. Your debt has been purchased. The bounty on your head has been paid. That's the good news we're talking about. And I wanted to be crystal clear on that. It could possibly be the most ridiculous, selfish, human thing ever to know that truth. Like the scripture said, you've heard that truth. You know that truth. It's a part of your life. It would be the most astoundingly spoiled thing ever to know that truth and to do nothing with it. And to do nothing because of it. To live selfishly in your freedom. And to be looking at people who are still stuck in the quicksand and not doing anything about it. What I'm saying is, you've been, if you've accepted this truth and you have, you've moved towards this, your life has to look different now. You have to become different now. And if what you're doing is getting stuck in this rut of judginess, how can you not help other people who are stuck in the mud? How can you turn to them and say, you should have tried harder. You should have been more like me. I can totally see why you're stuck in the mud. I can see it from here. Get real. Give me a break. You are acting like you got yourself out of that mud. You couldn't have if you tried. You couldn't have if you tried. Get real. That has to be the worst route you can take after you've been set free. See, tonight in the letter we read, we got what, what Paul was saying. What got Paul so jacked up about the people who were getting set free in the scriptures was this. It was that they were turning around and helping others get free. Is that they were using their freedom, they were sharing the love and truth and hope through their words and through their actions. Essentially, they were kingdom workers. They were kingdom workers. We call people to be kingdom workers a lot around here. What does it mean to be a kingdom worker? That's a good question. It's kind of a tribal language of ours that we have, but I want to let you in on it if you're not in on it. Becoming a kingdom worker means doing things in your life that lead people to say, God is amazing, not you are amazing. Being a kingdom worker means building people up, not tearing them down to show them who God has created them to be and helping them see that for themselves in their lives. Kingdom workers, they think about the lost and the lonely more than they think about themselves. Kingdom workers, they look at Jesus like he's leading the way, that he's Lord, not trying to just persuade Jesus to do what they want him to do. Jesus, help me with this test. Jesus, give me a touchdown. Jesus, why will you not give me the money that I want in life? They're looking at him for his leadership going, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And I will do that. That's a kingdom worker. Taking your freedom and becoming a kingdom worker is the best route that you can take after you have been set free. 
Not only can I not endorse this route enough, but scripture also demands this of people who claim to be Christians, who claim to be followers of Jesus. This is your calling. Because you've been set free, it's time to turn around and help other people who are still stuck in the mud. It's time to look at your brothers and sisters who are set free and encourage them and walk arm in arm together on the battle lines of loving people. It looks like looking beyond yourself and helping your family, your parents, your siblings, your classmates. Looking beyond yourself. I have a few big questions for you tonight. And I want you to have prayerfully focused thoughts on this. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to not be a distraction to the people around you. I want you to put your hands crossed in your lap. And I want you to think about this answer. I want you to think about these answers to these questions. Here's the first. What does kingdom building look like for you? What does being a kingdom worker look like in your life? I want you to keep thinking about that as I read these scriptures over you right now. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it's changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding and then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. What does being a kingdom worker look like in your life? Eyes remaining closed, here's your next question. What has been the product of your life so far? What has your life produced? What's in the wake of your path? Is it chaos? Is it selfishness? Have you pushed more people away than you brought people close? Does anyone really know you? Here's my next question. What do you want the product of your life to be? What do you want your life to produce? Do you want to just live comfortably and eventually die? There must be more than that. Maybe you want the product, the product of your life to be like those who Paul is writing about. There's evidence of God's spirit working in all they do. There's a wake of changed lives in their paths. There's endless stories of the adventures of following God's spirit wherever it's leading you in truth and hope and love. Here's your last question. Eyes closed, prayerfully focused on this. What's keeping you from being a kingdom worker? Is it the fear of what people think of you? Is it your pride? Is it your fear of failure? Is it insecurity in your faith? What's keeping you from being a kingdom worker? I will tell you right now, these things do not fade away. As you grow older, I still struggle with them every day. So we need each other in this. You want scripture's advice on how to shift from being selfishly saved to a kingdom worker. Here's what it looks like, and you can look up here. Note takers, this would be a good time to take notes. From the scripture we've read tonight, here are four things. 
that will help you step towards being a kingdom worker. Number one, know the Jesus you say you follow. Here's what I mean. You gotta have the 101. You've gotta have the information. You gotta have some understanding and knowledge of who you say you follow. You have got to read the gospels. You've got to do it if you say you follow Jesus. I don't know how many conversations I've had where people say they follow Jesus, but I just am not growing in my faith. I have, I don't know who God, I don't know what God thinks of me. I don't, I, I'm so lost. I don't know what to, if I asked you one promise that God makes you right now, could you answer that question? If I asked you, what is one thing Jesus said about who you are? Could you answer that question? That would make following someone very difficult. If you say you're a Husker fan, I'm the biggest Husker fan. In fact, that's priority number one in my life. It's in my bio. There's a Husker fan cross, and it's just like, that's, what I, that's my biggest thing. But you never went to a game. You never had any, any interaction with it. You never read the news, and you never checked the score. That doesn't make any sense. A lot of people do that with their faith. They say, Jesus is my number one. I put it in my profile picture. I put it, I put it in my bio. I, I have it on my bumper sticker. They don't know anything about him. And they haven't checked it out for themselves. You have got to read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Start there. You don't have to understand it all. I don't understand it all. But you've got to start somewhere. Because listen to what this scripture says. So we have not stopped praying for you since we heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Where is that going to come from if you're just making up God? Where is that going to come from? Your God is going to be as weak as you are. You see that? Then the way you will live will honor and please the Lord, and, you, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you are growing as you learn to know God better and better. You see that? Here's number two. Trust Him. Pray for courage. Listen, you got to tell Him what you're afraid of. You gotta tell him where you are weak so that your weakness can become his strength. The scripture says, listen, there is no prayer that you could pray that could scare off God or intimidate God, okay? Here's what scripture says about this. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope, the confident hope, the trust, the faith that you have, the courage that you have for what he's received for you in heaven and these expectations, this confidence ever since you heard the good news. Here's number three. Start doing what Jesus would do in the world. Love the unlovable. Give grace to the unfor unforgivable. Be God's love unlimited. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Here's number four. Build the kingdom in community. This isn't a solo project. This isn't something you were made to do alone. Look to your team. Look to your coach. I want you to ask your coach tonight, what is some kingdom work that has happened in front of your eyes where God has worked through you? Tell us a story and listen to that story. Scripture says you've learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved coworker. That there symbolizes that it's not alone. It's not a solo game. Our beloved coworker, he's Christ's faithful servant. Oh, 
Holy Spirit has given you. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people that live in light, the church. That would be Element. That would be your team. Here's where I'll conclude tonight. Don't forget the good news. The good news is that he saved us from the kingdom of darkness and he's forgiven us and paid for our sins. And listen, some of you tonight may still be on the fence about baptism. Some of you might be still making up excuses why you are not going to take this step of obedience. You're saying, oh, I want God in my life, but I'm not willing to do that. Okay, how shallow is that faith? How shallow? I take a look at that. And maybe I'm speaking to you right now. And maybe you need to start calling home and maybe you need to start texting coaches and you'd say, I'm out of excuses. I need this in my life. Maybe tonight's that night. Here's the second thing though. A lot of you have been baptized. And tonight there's gonna be a powerful moment for those of you who have decided to follow Jesus, but you have given up on that adventure. And what you've traded in for that adventure was the bowl of slop, the muck that got you stuck in the first place. You've traded that in for that and you're tired of it. And you're saying, I'm ready to leave this behind to turn around and to find God right at my side to help me walk towards his kingdom. Maybe that's you tonight. Repentance. Tonight is a call to repentance. Literally means to turn around, to turn from what you are doing and to walk side by side with God into the future. This is what Acts chapter three says about repentance. So repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, and then turn to God who seeks and seek his purpose for your life so that your sins may be wiped away, blotted out, completely erased so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, restoring you like a cool wind on a hot day that he may send to you Jesus, the Christ who has been appointed for you, who is saying, I will walk with you, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. You are not alone. That's what Jesus is saying. So here's the truth of repentance. Here's what we are calling you to tonight. We're calling to you for a change of thought that would change action. Calling for a change of heart that would produce a change of life. From tonight on, your life should look different. And listen, this isn't a one-time effort. This will be over and over again, but why not start tonight? Coaches will be all over the edges of the room and they can make their way there now. Coaches will be there tonight, ready to pray with you. And in this moment, this isn't for you to explain the whole story, okay? That's for the time that you spend with your team. That's a one-on-one later with your coach. What tonight is, you are communicating simply by walking up to your coach and looking them in the eye, you are communicating, I'm ready to turn around from something. And they'll put a hand on your shoulder and pray for you, that God gives you all the strength that you need to do that, okay? Don't forget the good news. It is time to quit living selfishly in your freedom. It is time to become a kingdom worker and repent and turn back to what God is calling you to do. Pray with me. Lord, I know there are hearts in this room tonight that need to turn away from the slop that is keeping them in foolishness. I know there are hearts and minds in this room tonight that are so stuck in their quicksand that they feel like there is nothing that can get them out. And that's a lie. 
I pray that you set hearts free tonight. And I pray that as these students approach coaches, look them in the eye to communicate, I need you to pray for me. That these coaches' hearts are ready to pray for repentance and a new start. Our lives should look different after tonight. Amen. During these next songs, you are free to do that. There are also baptisms going on. Enjoy that. There's also prayerful worship happening, and you may sing along with that as well. I don't want you guys to miss, if you feel God pulling you, if you feel that conviction in your heart that you want to get rid of, that, that burn that you want to get rid of, don't miss this opportunity. You have one more song to go talk to your coach. And you don't even have to say a word. You just walk up and you look them in the eye and they understand because they've been there before too. Don't miss that opportunity. And I wanted to say too, as you move into your, your team huddles, as you move into that time with your team, listen, confidentiality has got to been, be a priority. We are not a youth ministry of gossip and we will smash it because that brings nothing but pain and hurt. Those huddles, those times together are built for you to get to know one another and for you to be known. And I want you to understand that because there's so many of us that go through life without anybody actually knowing who we are. And that is a tragedy. So as you go into that time tonight, if God is leading you to share, you don't have to get into the messy details. But you could look at your team and go, I got some serious changes I need to make in my life. And if you are brave and courageous and in that moment, you might just influence another person to also let go and to go, I need to change too. At least have your coach pray for you in that time. Don't miss this opportunity. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.